0: Well, hello, everybody at home, and also to our wonderful Quebec correspondent, Alexa Lavoie. Today is Tuesday, August the 8th, and anyone in Canada who's joining us uh, after the long weekend, yesterday was a civic holiday for us Canadians. And, and so if you missed our live stream, well, sorry about that, but we, some, most of us, were uh, taking a much needed day of rest. And um, we're back at it today. So if you're joining us, you can find us on a few different platforms, Rumble, Getter, Odyssey, and uh, the censorious one, YouTube. I don't think we're going to get into any um, hits on their community standards. So hopefully we can stay streaming on all of those platforms today. And yeah. Uh, of course, if you're joining us on Rumble, actually, did I mention Rumble? I don't even know if I said Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like a manic Monday has just translated over to Tuesday, and I'm trying to get caught up in all of the things, even though I did actually work yesterday. Uh, I did some interviews and tried to catch up on my disaster emails. But um, if you're joining us over on Rumble, they have not censored or and or demonetized us. So you can check us out there. And on Rumble, you can give us what's called a super chat, And so through a small monetary donation, it's a way for you, our viewers at home, to engage with us directly on the live stream. And so you can send us a comment or a tip or a trick or anything that your heart desires. And we will read your comment live on air and um, either provide a back and forth or if it's a question, we'll try to do our best to answer it you want to send us a tip that way, as I said, my emails are a complete disaster. And I think I echo the sentiments of many of the other rebels. So sometimes sending us a tip is uh, the fastest way to kind of get our attention and, and perhaps even get a response there. So for anybody who's still over on YouTube, unfortunately, they have demonetized us. Really, we risk being deplatformed any day on that uh, on that platform. And so I would urge you just to head on over to Rumble Subscribe to us there, like our videos over there, comment over there. Um, It's just more of the the free speech platform, it seems, these days in the post-COVID era. And so, as I mentioned, we are just coming back from a long weekend. Alexa, how was your weekend? Oh,
1: that was something. I will talk to you about it a little bit later. Yes, uh,
0: you were out on the weekend also doing journalism. (laughs) We don't often take days off here, and if we do, it's just kind of like a slower-than-usual day. Um, But that's not like our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. He is taking an extra, extra long weekend. So today, he has taken a personal day. Again, as I mentioned, it's Tuesday, August the 8th. So um, in Canada, yesterday was a civic holiday, a statutory holiday. And so this, I guess, is the Prime Minister's work ethic you know his new his latest campaign slogan i think it's like an unofficial campaign slogan but it's always like roll up our sleeves and get to work and here he is taking an extra extra long weekend a uh, personal day i think it's 6 5 days post mm-hmm. announcement of his separation from his wife of 18 years sophie um and so at that time last week when they announced that they were formally separating they asked for privacy and and to be left, you know, alone, give give their family respect and privacy during their this difficult time and respect their children and this and that. They took to social media to kind of in unison say these things together. And then we saw on Saturday, uh, a mere I think it was at that point two days later, <laughs> Justin Trudeau is posting on all of his social media platforms a photo of him and his son. And, uh, just very point blank there. They're saying, he's saying we're team Barbie. So this is after I suppose his, uh, personal review of the Warner brothers production Barbie that was just released at the end of July. And you can see him here, clad in pink with his son, I, who I guess is a teenager. I'm not actually sure how old his son is or what his mm-hmm. name is. um, but uh there you have it. He's Team Barbie. Have you seen the movie Alexa? What do you think about this?
1: But <laughs> that just like put more fuel on the conspiracy theory that Mr. Trudeau is <laughs> maybe. Um, but it's just the reaction of the people on Twitter regarding that picture, especially like I don't know if you can a lot of people are important, but like important people, influencer. Really important influencer people have say about that picture as uh, Jordan Peterson, as um, they, the Pierce Morgan. Uh, there was um, I'm trying to remember who did talk about uh, that picture, but anyway, because he received a lot of backlash and comments, <laughs> uh, right? Rachel Gilmore did. Um, they- did publish like a post regarding the the backlash from um, those people saying like that they they are not. I, um, can you po- uh, put put uh, on on the website because I want to read exactly what she she say about the tweet that she um she mentioned, uh, Olivia. Yeah. So uh, the other one, uh, can you put the other one that I post on the clip? I think it's uh it's really. Uh, relevant of like um, how how hilarious all this is, she said that I want you all to know that this is what men who are insecure in their masculinity look like, but I think it's like she took this screenshot of three, uh, four of them, but the thing is like we don't see who she's talking about, she looks like she's talking about just Trudeau and his son, but actually it was about like Charlie Kirk and uh, Jordan B. Peterson. But i don't I'm not sure that Jordan B. Peterson is insecure in his masculinity. What do you think about that?
0: Well, yeah, that's right. There's a difference here between embracing your femininity, which is what I would say that Trudeau is doing on full display, and kind of like roping his son in for the ride. And then this apparent, like, like hit on uh, people who are insecure in their masculinity because they didn't wear a pink hoodie and go see the Barbie movie. As the prime minister, as, you know, the head of government, like, Justin Trudeau is the Canadian head of government. And I want to remind our viewers that Canada is is facing record inflation. We have a housing crisis our medical systems across provinces and territories almost unanimously are in shambles. This prime minister has a crumbling marriage, right? They've just announced their formal legal separation. And there's all this chitter chatter, you know, behind the scenes. And as you you mentioned, Alexa, like these conspiracies, um, Hmm. which I call them theories, but they turn out to just be facts. If you wait, I think on average, three to six months. Um, But that Justin Trudeau is going to come out as being gay or trans or who knows what uh, he'll identify, what letter of the the alphabet soup he'll end up identifying with, um, if at all. But uh, for someone like that to have his priority... A mere few days after saying that he wants his family and his children to have privacy and respect in light of the announcement of this separation, for him to then go out and post this photo on social media of him and his son, bearing you know clad in pink, being on Team Barbie, um, a movie that is you know being criticized. Yeah, here it is: mm-hmm. his the press release that they um, for the well-being of our children, we ask that you respect. Our and their privacy and then literally two days later he goes and posts this photo on social media of him and his son seeing the barbie movie i wonder if his daughter was taking the photo like why didn't you choose to take your daughter to the barbie movie um and this film has really been kind of criticized. I haven't seen it myself. I really have no desire to go and see the Barbie movie. I was a Barbie fan as a child. Like, I, I played a lot of Barbies. Actually, I didn't really like to play the Barbies. I liked to just set them up. I was all about setting it up and having it look like a real house. And then I would get so mad at my sister if she actually played with the Barbies because she would wreck the setup. Anyway, um So I'm not a huge fan myself. I I have no desire to go see this movie. But I wonder why he didn't take his daughter to see the movie. And they say that it's kind of our demographic, like the ones that actually played with Barbie as children, that this is kind of nostalgic for them. And that this isn't really a children's movie. It's more for um, the older generations who want that sense of nostalgia to look back on. But uh, the whole thing is just really bizarre. I was actually surprised it wasn't a parody account. And apparently so was one of our thought leaders, uh, Canadian Jordan Peterson, he retweeted uh, the prime minister's social media post. And I guess it's like, I don't even know if we can say retweet anymore, because Twitter is now being called X. So whatever retweeting or re-Xing that is, whatever that will be called um, as we move forward, getting used to this new X platform. But he said it's Reacting, hard to believe. Yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> Reacting, Um, it's hard to believe that he's real, but it's true. Canada, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a complete parody. Like what a joke on the world stage. As I mentioned, we have all these. Like Canada is really in shambles, de- depending on where you where you live and what your kind of income bracket is. Um, And this is the priority of the Canadian head of gov- government is to go out and see the Barbie movie. And then that's one thing, right? If you go out in your personal time and you go watch a film with your kids, so what? So be it. Um, But then to post it on Mm -hmm. social media, to pick a side, to be team Barbie. And Barbie is not really this like wholesome uh, figure of, you know, integrity. And like Barbie's really very materialistic and is one of the main influencers with you know, unhealthy body proportions. And I I could go on and on about why Barbie's not an ideal kind of figurehead for anyone or anything. Um, And so it's just very bizarre that the prime minister during this tumultuous time in Canadian history and also in his own personal life chose to to go ahead and do this on social media.
1: Mm -hmm. I also like will not see that kind of picture at the end of Sound of Freedom. I'm not sure about that. But <laughs> the That's thing right. is, the whole Canada system is going to sing. Some individual cannot up, even afford to go to see a movie in the cinema. When That's right. Like some just regular citizens see him wearing, well, you don't care about which color he's wearing, but wearing a paint shirt and going out from Barbies, having a good time. Being able to have not only like free time, but I've having like enough money to go there. Some citizens is like, I don't have, <laughs> I cannot even afford to have free time because I need to work all the time to be sure that I'm able to reach the end of the month. I'm not, I cannot even go and see a film. The whole system around me is collapsing, and my prime minister seems to not care to not care about it. And Fun fact, and I, I was thinking about it, and when he did this press re- release about his separation, he didn't do it in front of media he didn't do it like in front of people he did it on media platform when mm-hmm. himself introduced a bill that we cannot even like share media on me, um, uh, social media platforms as facebook meta instagram so what uh insult for the press in Canada to not having like the prime minister to do this really important announcement in front of them no he decided to use media platform that actually banned canadian to share the content
0: yeah exactly and that's all all canadian news sources and news content now you need to evade the social media algorithms because of bill c18 and c11 um, and that's the their liberal government's own legislation, legislative shortfalls with this ambiguously worded, open to interpretation bills that were supposed to somehow prioritize Canadian content and monetize it, and um, the rigmarole, role excuse me, that's ensued with social media platforms that you can't even share these newsy pieces on social media, which is where he's taking to announce these things um and and we have here his his chief of staff uh Katie Telford then took to social media in his defense after Piers Morgan kind of mocked this um this picture and so let me just pull it up here <clears throat> yeah Katie Telford is uh the chief of staff to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Toronto Star did an article here uh about Piers Morgan who's um an English broadcaster. And he said, I'm so glad I'm not Canadian. And he was kind of mocking Trudeau after he shared this photo, uh, with his son at the Barbie movie. And then Katie Telford says that he is feeling the wrath of Canadians after this post on X formerly known as Twitter. I'm, I, I, I might slip I, and probably refer to it as Twitter more often than not, but, um, it's so funny to read through some of the comments on the the post because Canadians are all like, no, we're with you. We're with Piers Morgan. We're with you on this. Um, this is absolutely absurd. Same as what you're saying, Alexa. Like, the, There are many Canadians struggling to put food on the table, let alone going to see a movie at the theater. That's I don't even know what the going rate would be at the theaters by the time you buy your two tickets or however many tickets, popcorn, drink. I mean, you're looking at probably close to $100 just for a movie date for two oh, yeah. uh, these days with inflation the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, again, is just absolutely absurd that this is a priority of the prime minister. And it would make sense that his chief of staff is coming to his aid and trying to save face here because someone obviously thought that this would be a good idea. But Canadians are, the they're the liberals rather, are doing repeatedly poorly in their own polling and so um i don't know if someone made this decision based off of polling whether or not uh trudeau should go virtue signal about being on team barbie but it doesn't seem to be really resonating the way that i think he had hoped especially post announcement of this separation when he's like the narcissism is on full display here when you say two days ago well four days ago now that six four to six days ago that you wanted privacy then you come out and you post this photo on social media and um I'm not sure I just saw one of the comments show up on screen there but I wanted to highlight one of the comments from um Dan Hartman and I think it was on Pierre Morgan's original original tweet but I saw when Olivier when you were just scrolling there um Dan Hartman, his his Twitter handle is or his ex handle is uh, Answers for Sean, and he replied yeah. to uh, I think it was Katie Telford or Piers Morgan, and and said, Oh no, it was to Justin Trudeau directly. Uh, here, sorry, let me just share this, and we'll show it on screen because I wanted to highlight uh, some of the things that the, the Canadians on the ground are going through in Canada to today while Justin Trudeau is out gallivanting and uh announcing that he's team barbie yeah he he, so this is dan hartman whose son uh sean hartman died coincidentally right quote unquote coincidentally 33 which is an odd number uh days after his first pfizer dose and so we're not going to talk about any of more of that because we're on certain platforms that you can't question the science on but that's what happened to his son 33 days post Pfizer injection his son coincidentally was found dead beside his bed um mm-hmm. and so in response to this tweet from Trudeau our prime minister the Canadian head of government Dan Hartman wrote what's it like hanging with your son this is how it is for me and it's a heartbreaking photo of him at the gravesite of a son with gifts and you know things and memorabilia. Um, in memory of his son and he blames Trudeau for the way that the government forced and coerced the novel COVID injections on the population indiscriminately right there was no like risk versus benefit some demographics were prioritized more than others yes but it was also pushed indiscriminately onto everyone especially these young males uh, when they wanted to play hockey as Dan Hartman's son did. And the funding came down from the feds into the provinces. The provinces pushed the vaccine passports, the vaccine mandates for things like entering arenas, restaurants, so on and so forth. A 17 year old boy who wanted to go out and play hockey and hang out with his friends at a movie theater stood no chance against the propaganda that was pushed on everyone by the government to coerce their compliance with the novel injection. And so I found that really compelling that there's a a real Canadian dad out there, you know, with true, like a true hockey playing dad um, who is missing his son, who he argues died as a result of the government sanctioned propaganda and handling of COVID-19. And that's his response to the prime minister posting a photo of he and his son gleefully and blissfully unaware that these woes are being faced by Canadians, everyday Canadians, in their pink hoodies, uh, going to see the Barbie movie. It's so out of touch, and it's and it's so insulting for people like that who are truly suffering the devastating effects of the policies instituted by this same government.
1: I remember uh, the story of that man, and I would say it's really hard for I think most of Canadians to look at me and going to see a movie, taking a small photo op. And requesting <laughs> some uh, intimacy for what is going on in life. I'm sorry, you're using your family as a political tool. You will resolve, mm-hmm. of course, that media will will not take uh, keep that on their confidentiality, or like they will not like reserve your intimacy. Of not, of course, not. And especially when we see that most of the like a lot of Canadian right now need to sell their house because their mortgage have doubled and now they cannot like afford it anymore. Where those Canadians will go because cheap and affordable house, it's not available on the market. And you know what? You are stopping with your um dog watch to stop building construction because you have like bureaucracy level and more taxes and more um so many other like different uh, uh, well uh, I have the word in French but so many layers uh, yeah. yeah exactly and what why you don't apologize to those people right now why you don't take your job as a prime minister and apologize to the people who you ruin the life mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's not only the housing crisis that have just gone up exponentially um, in wake of the housing crisis, which is be- caused by the fact that we have unabated immigration targets infiltrating. And that's just legal immigration. And you've reported heavily on this, Alexa, but there's also the illegal um migrants who come through the illegal border crossings and I mean they're illegal aliens that's what we should call them for what they are but uh it's because of these immigration targets that just are are the highest we've ever seen i think they we're the highest in all of the developed nations and now it's caused this housing crisis has skyrocketed mm-hmm. the price of of rent but also of homes but we also have that coupled with unabated increases to interest rates which if anybody has has a mortgage if they were lucky enough to buy into the market before this insane ballooning and bubbling happened um, then if they were on a variable rate there are people out there who have seen like a 400 percent increase on their mortgages in the last few months and arguably that's been on the steady incline uh, for roughly a year and a half and there's no end in sight and so yes we're starting now to see the fallout of of those inflationary periods and risks. Um, And then, you know, we have the leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev, and his wife kind of swooping in now and capitalizing on this political low that we see Justin Trudeau in. And so she posted this really wholesome, just a simple, quick, one-minute clip um, to X, formerly known as Twitter, Uh, Anita (laughs) Polyev, and she said, Why my husband is doing this? And we'll just share this quick one minute clip with you here.
2: Who is Pierre Polyev? Many know him as the common sense leader the country needs. His school teacher parents know him as the boy they adopted and raised in their modest home in the suburbs of Calgary. His dad knows him as the son he took to early morning hockey games. His neighbors know him as the boy who used to deliver the morning newspaper. His children know him in Francais, Espanol, and English as Papa. And I know him as a guy who loves me for who I am, a Canadian who came to call Canada home, and his wife. So when Pierre says, it doesn't matter who you know or where you're from, but rather who you are and where you're going, these aren't just empty words. He's lived it. Common sense. Let's bring it home. Wow.
1: This is moving.
0: I think it really fills a a need, too, that Canadians are feeling deeply, and that is common sense, rational, reasonable leadership, fiscal responsibility. Um, Anyone who at this point can continue to, to vote in people who think that the balance, the budget will balance itself and that you know funding um, proxy wars is going to somehow ever come back to be beneficial to Canadians. Um, I think we're we're living through that wake up call, which is really sad to see unfolding, especially for people who can see the writing on the wall, and we're kind of warning of things like this. And it's all been really exacerbated by the COVID pandemic pandemonium. And there was people out there in 2020 who were called selfish grandma killers for saying things like, you know, these these economic shutdowns, these supply chain restrictions. All of this is going to have a fallout. And we're not going to see it immediately, but we need to consider what the repercussions of these policies and and these implementations are going to be. And you were just gaslit and called selfish, uh, and 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 call you know referred to as someone who didn't care about about grandparents or anybody else at risk. And um, and now we're starting to see it. We we see it, and Canadians are feeling it more so than just seeing it. Canadians are feeling the fallout and the repercussions. And so, when you have someone coming in and saying, "Common sense, let's bring this home," that really resonates with Canadians who are struggling amid all of those things I've already discussed. While the prime minister is out giving a review of the Barbie movie yeah. and and claiming to be on Team Barbie, like what I don't, what does that even mean to be on Team Barbie? <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. Uh, so
1: I can't tell you, <laughs>
0: but. The
1: thing is, like this video, <clears throat> what really, really show, it's like someone who had a real life in the childhood, like playing hockey, just being in the normal position, in the normal average, maybe a little bit over average. I don't know their their situation when he was younger, but it just show that he is in position to understand the normal and basic problematic that citizens live and experience. Justin Trudeau born in a gold net where he was under, It was a child of a prime minister. So of course, like for him, he didn't have a normal childhood. He doesn't pretty understand like what it is to, or not being able to afford food at the end of the, the month. He doesn't understand the normal problematic. And this this video will just show that citizens of Canada can actually trust someone who can understand, who, who did experience in his life some normal life situation as Canadian.
0: No, yeah. Justin Trudeau was a trust fund baby who grew a, grew up a <laughs> life of being spoon fed on a silver platter. He went to private schools. He was never, you know, he he he's privileged, as I I always refer to it as liberal privilege, because you'll see the lawn signs when it's campaign time um, and you'll see the sprawling properties and the houses and the cars that are typically out front of liberal uh, voters houses. And then you'll see conservatives who are traditionally known for their fiscal conservatism. They're fiscally responsible. That's that's traditionally been the difference. Um in, term, like in, term of, in terms of monetary policy between the two parties. And so, yeah, Justin Trudeau, as a trust fund baby who is spoon fed everything on a silver platter, I don't expect him to have any idea of what hard work is actually all about. I think the longest job he kept was a as a part time school teacher, where he was um, questionably terminated or fired or, or quit from that position uh, halfway through the school term. But um, someone for, like Pierre Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we're, we're quite sure. Um, someone like Pierre Polyev, who's raised by two school teachers, uh, that's very modest upbringing. And uh, so it, it stands to reason that someone like Trudeau is going to remain out of touch. I mean, his grocery bills are on track this year to, to total over $100,000. That's just in his personal grocery spending. That's more than what the average Canadian makes. And that's via Stats Canada. I know that there's lots of Canadians who don't make anywhere near that um but the average canadian according to stats canada is roughly uh, their income their household income mind you not individual Mm -hmm. yeah there it is he's on track to spend well over a hundred thousand groceries at his personal residence that's for this year and at the bottom of that article it's not hyperlinked but the source does come from uh statistics canada and the average household income so that's Two working parents, uh, presumably, is roughly seventy five thousand dollars. So he's going to spend more on groceries than the average family brings in in a year. I don't expect someone who is on that fiscal path to be understanding about you know the Canadians who are lining up in record numbers at food banks all across the country, and for an issue that that that's not going anywhere. It's actually increasing instead of decreasing or plateauing or getting any better. Like there's so much wrong with this country that needs to be immediately addressed and and repaired, and we have our prime minister heading out to watch the Barbie movie with his son with their pink hoodies. Mm-hmm. Yay! Um, I can't believe that this is the head of the government. It's it's embarrassing, and you have to laugh because otherwise you'll cry. Um, it, it, it's I think that's just... never been
1: seen in the past. Uh, by the way, like all the prime minister were. Living Canada, that that everything that what he's done so far, haven't been seen before, and it's funny all Canadian, but we don't accept it, but we have no choice to accept it, because it's been like well. vote and revoke and revoke.
0: Well, and because we don't have uh, an actual opposition, right? We have the NDP and the Liberals and their unofficial mm-hmm. coalition. And so the NDP are propping up the Liberals in, the, in Parliament, in the House of Commons. And so there's no responsibility here. And that's because we don't have an actual opposition. The opposition parties are in place to uphold democratic process and to scrutinize the policies and procedures of the government-elect. And because we don't have a formal opposition in the NDP because they're just another branch of the Liberals and they've formed themselves in as two fringe minority governments to form a majority government, we don't have any sort of scrutiny of them because what we do have is such a small minority now that they've banded together that it really doesn't make a difference. And so if that wasn't the situation, if that unofficial coalition was not the reality that we face in the House of Commons, then things, I think, politically would look vastly different. But thank you to NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who is just in it for his pension, um, which I don't believe comes until 2025. That's what we're stuck with in Canada. Um, as a country who's supposed to be upholding democracy, I mean that's why we're funding this proxy war with Ukraine. It's all under the guise of upholding democracy somehow in some weird twisted double speak fashion. Um, so I think that if we didn't have this unofficial coalition, that wouldn't be the case, but mm-hmm. that's what we have. And so, uh, <laughs> Justin Trudeau can be clad in scandal after scandal and, and, uh, separation and needing privacy for his family and taking extra vacation days. Um, and then on the other hand, taking to social media for his narcissistic desires to post his kids on that platform um going out to see the Barbie movie and being team Barbie which again I'm not even sure what that even means because Barbie's just a materialistic anorexic version of femininity and I don't think that's really a healthy um a healthy persona to be highlighting and or playing with for young girls so anyway we're going to move on we have a, a small a super chat here from cool beans 89 gives $5 and it's a link here to City News. Um, the CBC is joining other MSM, that's mainstream media, to complain about fair competition. And so it says news publishers and broadcasters call for investigation into Meta's news blocking. And it's from today, uh, August the 8th. A group of Canadian news publishers and broadcasters are calling on Canada's Competition Bureau to investigate and prohibit Meta from blocking news content on its digital platforms social media giant meta which is formerly known as facebook oh there it says which owns facebook and instagram has said it will begin blocking news on its platforms in canada starting tuesday after the canadian government passed a bill forcing google google and meta to pay publishers for content they link to or repurpose so anytime you hyperlink anything um they social media platforms would be dinged financially for that the sharing of that news and that is just like a mammoth to try to track and trace and, and and keep track of anybody who hyperlinks anything on your platform at any time. Now that needs to be monetized. And so in response to that, which is actually liberal legislation, Bill C11, Bill C18, um, sorry, Bill C18 specifically, it's known as the online news act. And so in response to that meta said, you know what this, they're a business, right? At the end of the day, meta is a business. And, It's in the best interest of their business to not pay homage to this ridiculous piece of legislation. And if Meta bends the knee to Canada, then are they going to have to do that to, you know, places like China and North Korea? That's where you would see this kind of heavy handed legislation come out of typically like a dictatorship who wants to control the narrative and control the media and control the news. And so Meta is not bending the knee. It's also in their best best fiscal uh, relationship for their business, which obviously the Liberals don't know anything about fiscal responsibility and how to manage budgets and so on and so forth. Uh, they just said, forget it. We're not even going to try. We're just going to block all the news content so that we don't have to deal with the willy-nilly... Um, nuance, really, of this piece of legislation. And now, (laughs) instead of Canada's Competition Bureau targeting Meta, they might be better off asking the Liberals to revoke their legislation or revisit the stipulations housed within it, because this legislation is ridiculous. And targeting Meta over something that's in response to Canadian government legislation just seems absolutely absurd to me.
1: And it's so funny because sometimes we are news, sometimes we are not, and now we are considered as news. And so now our content cannot be shared, but when it's come with um, facing the liberal government, we are not media at all. So uh, it's all again, double standard in Canada. And and by the way, I think Meta is, it's actually right to not uh, pay them for that because that is a slippery slope so for the media to do clickbait, the article that people will share and share and share. And so they make money on that. So more they have a clickbait title, more they gain money. And also like the fact that some some of the article that the media are publishing is opinion. Oh, do we really want to give them money for opinion that every single citizen have their opinion? Why we should like pay you more because you think that your opinion have more value than us?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and as you pointed out, it's, it's just hypocritical um, for various other independent media who also is being dinged by this piece of legislation. Um, let's go to a quick ad break and then we'll come back. We have another super chat and then we will get into some uh, colonialism and climate, probably more hypocrisy as well.
2: How in the world could such a small group of people with limited resources change world history? But in fact, that's happening. And it's the power of the truth. The truth is like kryptonite. Healthcare isn't in some sense working very well. Foster Colson is thinking about this. He's got a new company, an online healthcare platform called The Wellness Company. Telehealth company called The Wellness Company. The Wellness Company. The most popular product is the detoxification supplement that features natokinase. only enzyme that we're aware of right now that dissolves the spike protein. Spike protein is loaded in the body with the COVID-19 infection and definitely with the vaccines. We've been completely accurate on the spread of the virus, early treatment, on the deficiencies in hospital care, and now the deaths that are occurring after vaccination. This is a human outrage and it's occurring at the end of a hypodermic needle. Isn't it interesting? Natural substances combating this man-made disaster. No matter what, God will bring us through. And I said, we will not bow down to your gods. For tickets, showtime details, and to see the trailer, please go to savethechristians.com.
0: Yeah, that's SaveTheChristians.com or um, ChurchUnderFireMovie.com, whichever one's easier to remember. We have just released uh, new screenings in British Columbia. And so the first one starts this Thursday, August the 10th in Whistler. And so if you're all, oh. I believe all of our Ontario screenings sold out, um, apart from one, the one in Huntsville, which I think was pretty close to. So if you're debating getting tickets, I would say head over there and get your tickets because the, they do sell out as we saw in Ontario, which was amazing to see the turnout and always like great to mingle with people in person and connect with uh, rebel supporters and viewers. So if you're not sure and you're on the fence or you're just learning about this here and now for the first time, head on over to uh church under fire movie or save the christians.com and get your tickets for this Thursday in Whistler. And then of course you can see all of the events happening thereafter. So August 12th and so on and so forth. And then kind of as we uh, gain momentum and as we gain connections also with these venues and event spaces will be opening up more screenings in the future. And that same goes for uh, Tamira Leach's book screening tours too. I know a lot of people were disappointed that we weren't going to certain areas, but with her trial coming up in September, I know that there are plans to kind of reinvigorate more book signing events into the new year. Um, so we have one quick uh, super chat that we'll get to, and then we'll we'll run through some of the uh, carbon tax hypocrisy. AMT T sixty gives three dollars. Thank you very much. I'm on a fixed pension, and my mortgage renews in June 2024. And I have other debts. I'm hoping I can renew it, but I am decluttering in case I have to sell and move to a cheaper province. I'm in on Ontario. Uh, yeah, my our mortgage is up for renewal in May, and I'm very nervous. Uh, in, mm-hmm. As to what that's going to look like. And there may be, I, we may, my family may be in a similar situation to AMT 60. Uh, we bought at an amazing time in 2014 and um, had a, a, a business plan that went to, that was basically desecrated by the Ford government's uh, sanctions on construction um, for anyone who doesn't know my story, I'm sure you could dig back in the Rebel archives and find it. I, was a, uh, I shared it at the National Citizens Inquiry. But um, solidarity to AMT60, because if these interest rates don't start to come down soon, a uh, lot of Canadians are in a similar situation to you. And so I hope that they do. But uh, similarly, it looks like the eastern coast has, has decent property rates. And um, of course, the more northern Ontario, but relocating is always a really tough call, although so many Canadians and specifically Ontarians have fled the province and or the country completely because of the cost of living and how absolutely insane it is to try to stay afloat in these provinces and in this country, which is just further exacerbated by this carbon tax. Uh, instituted by the Justin Trudeau Liberals, because I guess taxing people will somehow help to cool the planet. Um, So we have this article here from CTV News. Carbon tax is ineffective. I mean, really, who would have guessed? In curbing fuel emissions, (laughs) the majority of Canadians say. Um, Two thirds of Canadians say it is a poor time to increase the carbon tax, which also, which came on Canada Day, uh, July first, Canada's birthday, when we celebrate our our national heritage, and uh, the birth of Canada as the country that we know and love. And so on that day, Justin Trudeau instituted, I think it was the second hike to the carbon tax. Um, And a majority of Canadians say they believe the tax on gas is ineffective at tackling climate change. This is according to a survey conducted by Nanos Research and commissioned by CTV News, intended to better understand Canadian perception towards combating climate change through increasing prices on fuel. From coast to coast, 21% of respondents say now is poor timing for a carbon tax increase, with 46% saying it's very poor timing. So, you know, that's roughly 60, what, 67% of people saying, like, no, this is this is a terrible idea and terrible timing. Um, and, and, of course, as we've already discussed, the first half of this show, Justin Trudeau is just so out of touch that he has no idea uh, the repercussions of these policies. And, uh, yeah, this, this article also says that the increase... This increase the tax $65 per ton as of April 1st, uh, 2023. And then the rep- price will increase by $15 per year until it reaches $170 per ton. I guess that's probably by 2030. Um, but this is just as they found here in this survey. It's just awful timing. We are in a, a crisis, an inflationary crisis with a housing crisis. The medical system is in crisis and uh, the liberals think that it's an appropriate time to just add on more tax. And the crazy thing about the carbon tax is that in your in 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 Ontario, for instance, you also pay provincial tax on top of the federal tax. So you'll see on your bill that there's a federal carbon charge and it's a percentage of whatever your usage is for things like natural gas. And then you'll have HST, that's our provincial uh, tax denomination here in Ontario, which is 13%. So we will pay 13% on whatever that charge is for your carbon. It's its literally a tax. You literally get taxed on top of tax. It's absolutely insane. And so... And, and I, I think it could- I,
1: and I think in Quebec we have like one more tax because uh, our gas is like increased. It's so high right now that see, I seriously, I am I'm trying to not use too much my my car because it's it's one eighty five. It's it's almost two. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that the depending on where you're located in Ontario, I know that Toronto's closer to a like dollar Where I am, a little bit more rural, it's usually about a dollar. Right now, it's about a dollar sixty, dollar sixty-five. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's and I'm not sure what's your. Do you know what your provincial tax is? I could probably just look it up quickly here.
1: Um. Oh, so I think again, you should like uh, look up to things. I'm not certain about like what is. The perfect like number.
0: Sales tax rates by province. Here we go. Yeah, Quebec. So yeah, you're you're at almost 15%. Uh, we're at 13 in Ontario, but you still have the GST and the QST. In Ontario, we've combined that, so we just have HST, which is 13%. So um, yeah. apart from Prince Edward Island, which is 15%, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and New Brunswick are all at 15%, and then it's Quebec and Ontario thereafter. Yukon has one of the lowest tax rates at 5%. Um, and Alberta. But it's so is, expensive it, there. <laughs> yeah, well, and Alberta is notorious for having that 5% tax rate as well, which it seems really lucrative. I mean, it really does add up when you're doing, when you're getting all of these hits on your income and on everything you purchase. And that extra 13% in Quebec, it's almost 15%. Um, that really makes a difference to go to a province that has a five percent tax. It, it It certainly adds up, especially if you're making big purchase items like a house or a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so on and so forth. We have another super chat here from Fraser McBurney gives five dollars. So while doing the laundry this morning, I met a lovely lady. She told me she had four jabs. The last jab almost killed her. That's a coincidence, oh. right? Because you can't you can't say that uh, yeah, that correlates. Asking, will you be taking the new jab? Her answer was hell no. It's sad that it took four to get to that point. Um, you know, anyone who took this like wait and see approach, there's just like, you know what, I'm just gonna wait for a little bit more data. I'm gonna wait for the more science to come out, their actual studies, just gonna wait and see. Well, you were an anti-vaxxer and um you you lost your job, depending on which sector you worked in, if you decided to go that route. But then you have people who took four of them. And then it was only after it almost kill, you know, it caused a potential adverse event, that they're saying, you know what? No, we're gonna we're getting off that uh, the the booster treadmill because it's now a seasonal shot. Um, our health authorities are coming out and saying that it's no longer, you know, just a booster here and there. It's it's going to be seasonal like the flu. And again, so many people saw the writing on the wall with that. Um, just more on the climate hypocrisy, I had the article open and now I've closed it, but uh, the feds are actually, looks like they may force provinces who don't want to comply with these green energy targets that are costly, but also ineffective. Um, and so the feds are basically threatening to, to force the hand of the provinces to agree. This also comes from CTV News. Provinces may have to agree to Ottawa's 2035. Now it's not 2030, right, because they see how, um, how the, this infrastructure just isn't capable to reach any of these goals or targets by 2030. So Ottawa's 2035 clean power target to access funding, the federal government is considering restricting billions of dollars in tax credits and grants for electricity projects to provinces that commit to the 2035 target for an emissions-free electricity grid. I think that they made a mistake here um, for provinces that don't commit to the 2035 target. Yeah. The federal budget already made clear the restriction would be in place for the new refundable 15 percent clean energy investment tax credit, which is for investments in non-emitting electricity production, storage and interprovincial transmission. I mean, Alexa, you have covered this a little bit in Quebec um, What's the infrastructure like there? And do you think that the the provincial government is on par to meet some of these targets by 2035?
1: You want the real answer or the hiding answer? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say when I look at where my mom lives and that just with a wind, she doesn't have electricity anymore, that should answer your question right there because the infrastructure of electricity is so bad at this moment. It's so not well maintained that when you have like just a little bit of na- nature effect, you're losing like power. So first of all, we should be like invest in like rebuilding, make, making like all the infrastructure to be really reliable that we are not losing most of our electricity through like the cable, because yes, we are losing some electricity by the cable. And to make sure that it is well-made and as I say, reliable. And afterwards we will be able to talk about maybe doing an electrification of Quebec because right now, no, we are not ready for that at all. And by the way, we don't have that much um, electric for recharging car, I'm just like thinking about people who live really far away, like in the land. Um, they have, most of them, like they probably have like a, if they have an electric car, they probably have a hybrid one that you can use car, gas if you don't have electricity.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you have Alberta's premier, Danielle Smith, basically saying, like, these, this this doesn't make any sense, and uh, she won't commit to any of this. And now in response to that, the feds are saying, well, well, we'll just withhold your funding in that case, and so you better comply or else, right? This is like the thinly veiled threats we saw all throughout the COVID narrative, and they just seem to be becoming increasingly brazen and um, and, and threatening with them. I mean, we saw coercion. the funding through the. Yeah, it's it is it's coercion. And we saw the funding threats throughout the COVID hysteria as well. If you implement passports, vaccine passports will give you X amount of funding. Um, if you declare a state of emergency, then you open the door to X amount of funding here in my locale in Coburg, and we'll just wrap this up quickly, because I know you want to chat about a little bit of your weekend reporting, Alexa. But I asked the mayor of Coburg, you know, why are we under a state of emergency? There was no deaths to justify any of the measures taken. And why is Coburg under a declared state of emergency? And I have it in writing that it was to open the gates for provincial funding. They were able to capitalize on funds available from the province, which came from the feds, if they were under a declared state of emergency so the funding really is a stranglehold uh on these various jurisdictions whether it be municipally or provincially to comply with whatever it is the feds want you to institute and so we're seeing this now with the green energy stuff um so, so I don't, yeah exactly follow the money it's so unsurprising um now, you were out on the weekend, Alexa, and we have some short clips to share with you, but you were there. You were there on the ground. Do you want, did you want to take it away?
1: Um, so I went to the Trans March that was happening in Montreal. And fun fact, yeah, they choose Canada plates for starting the march where the statue of John A. MacDonald was actually pulled down um, a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, the, so a uh, lot of people were there. And so I told myself I'm going to to ask a couple of questions to them since they are from the community. So they have probably a lot to say about at which age we just should like begin to give uh, children block, puberty blockers, mm-hmm. and if they think that we should teach uh, gender ideology in, in at school, Fun fact, uh, they don't like ideology. They think that is not a good term. And this is actually um, a wrong way to say it. <laughs> and uh, and also, I wanted to ask them to just describe themselves, like who they are, what is their pronouns. But at one point, um, I was followed and harassed by two, two extremist individuals, told them to stop. And uh, at one point, I just like warned the police, like, please, I'm not there for confronting nobody. I'm just here for asking a couple of questions. I'm media. We are, we have freedom of press in Canada. I'm in in a public space. I'm allowed to ask questions to them. So can you please help me out with these two individuals who actually follow me everywhere, stopping people to talk to me and really make like a climate pretty like hostile? So they say, yeah, we keep an eye on these view, on the situation, but they never helped me out until like the situation escalated and all the extremist Antifa and like the left extremists came and surrounding us. And at one point the police came to us and said like that, we were the problem and we are the one who confronted them. I was like, oh, sorry. I just went, first of all, to warn you because I didn't want this situation to happen, and now this is my fault. But well, you will see by yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have a. I think there's a couple of clips here, but we'll we'll watch this first one, I suppose, and you can uh, explain more if needed.
2: I am a non-binary trans feminine person. I define myself as a non-binary degenerate. Moi, je suis une fière femme. Et bien de ces gens-là aimeraient bien que j'enlève ma moustache. Puis si c'est plus ça plus tard, ben c'est plus ça plus tard.
1: qu'est-ce que ça fait? On a besoin de le savoir. Mais... On a le Effect... droit de vous demander. Bien non, mais même. on est dans un endroit euh, oui, public, a... madame, a... euh, ou monsieur, ou je sais pas. Pourquoi euh... a... ah, vous faites ça? Vous êtes que... tellement harcelante. juste s'assurer que personne se fait... Interviewer sans leur consentement, C'est tout ce qu'on veut. Pensez-vous que moi, je les force à répondre? Si vous êtes un média qui est ouvertement transphobe...
2: Je pense que c'est dans ton intérêt de partir, malheureusement. Oh!
1: Pourquoi est-ce que vous me menacez? Je décolle. Fais juste décolle, c'est... Stop. Hey, just stop. Hey, je vous... leur même pas posé de questions. Ils me suivent et me marseillent. It's mostly in French, but I will explain after. En même temps, vous
2: captez des images, puis... Ben, les autres médias aussi. Oui, ben ouais. Puis il y a d'autres médias. Si les gens étaient mal à l'aise, on leur demanderait de partir aussi. C'est le même. Okay, c'est, même mais c'est quoi jour la partout, différence
1: hein? entre nous et eux?
2: ben vous, vous rendez les gens mal à l'aise, puis oh, eux, à okay. date, on n'a pas eu de. Commentaire, on fait, fait juste vous comme... demander de pas filmer puis de vous en aller. J'ai fait de mal. On te demande de partir. Okay, si si j'ai te rien te plaît. fait de mal donc j'ai pas d'affaire à partir. Ok, mais genre tu ta présence. Hey, donne, okay, donne touch. Hey, si vous, t'en je l'ai t'en dit, s'il si y a
1: quelqu'un qui nous touche, tu t'en aller. Là là, là, là... Oh, excuse-moi. Bye bye. Tu peux aussi t'en aller. Non, là, bye c'est de l'harcèlement. Bye.
2: Hey, c'est de genre merci. C'est de l'harcèlement que vous faites. vous dites tout de l'harcèlement, c'est quoi tout ce qu'on te dit Découle,
1: découle, découle.
2: Arrêtez de Est-ce que
1: vous avez vu Quelqu'un d'autre faire C'est des choses comme vous faites en ce moment? Vidéo, toi, là, vous avez toutes les polices qui sont là, qui font rien, absolument rien.
2: Là, vous voyez que vous n'êtes clairement pas les bienvenus. Parce... parce que vous avez
1: laissé les choses escalader. Je vous ai mentionné On vous au vous tout début reculer. qu'on avait si un vous problème avec quelqu'un.
2: Le problème. Donc, juste aller un peu plus loin, faites votre travail puis éviter de me filmer, s'il vous plaît, puis de prendre... Ça, ça, Pourquoi ça, vous n'avez pas agi la, la première
1: fois que je suis venue vous voir pour euh, l'harcèlement harcèlement qu'on je... subissait?
2: On évite la confrontation. Visiblement, vous avez des idéologies opposées. ok Chacun a droit à son idéologie. Coup, on évite que vous vous confrontez restez séparés. C'est la confrontation. Je vais vous demander de vous éloigner euh, de vous mon vélo c'est... et de mon matériel.
1: Ben, c'est vous qui l'avez mis sur moi.
2: Non, madame, c'est vous.
1: <rire> At the end, it's so funny because the police say, I will ask you to not, like, be close to my bicycle. I say, but you just put it on me. And he say, no. I was like i have it on record that you just like put your bicycle on me and this is it was just like everything was hilarious because i was there i had no problem to ask a couple of questions at the beginning people were really open to talk to me you know they are free like to talk freedom of expression Mm -hmm. but it seems like no not in this movement because on their website not only did they ban Reuben News to be at this event, I didn't know, I just learned it when I came back home uh, when I checked their website. But also they say to every single person to not talk to the press, that to let the organizer to talk to the press. So you go to an event, but the people are not allowed to talk. So this is a really a great example from the left to show how good they Freedom of expression is uh, to not not talk to to the press, and um, I the the woman that I talk at she she uh, wear pink. She's the, the spokesperson for Quebec Solidaire, The um uh I, w- I would compare that to NPD uh, at the uh, federal level, like the, really on the left. And um, she she was mentioning, I'm like a proud woman. Same if I have a moustache that people want me like to remove. That is, it's what she was saying. Kind of funny because uh, a lot of people talk a lot about the, the moustache of uh, Mano Masi. But uh, like, you see, she was there. She talked to me. Like, I, I actually, I, I find that pretty good for her to talk to us. She knew who I was. And she openly like, say, yes, I will answer your question. Like when we look at the second uh, spokesperson in that party, uh, Gabriela Rudvo, who, who went to the climate march uh, the other day and uh, refused to talk to me because I was uh, with Rebel News. But the thing is, like when you look at the the police, what they were telling us, you say like uh, we don't, we want to avoid confrontation. Clearly, there is like two different ideology between you, you and them. But I was like, which ideology? We don't have ideology here. We are media. We are here for doing our job and asking questions. Those people that you saw in that video who tried to block us does not represent the community at all. They represent the extremist part of it. Mm-hmm. Mostly Antifa, mostly people who think that they are warrior for warrior for the minorities in the same time that they are actually um, They are infringing the rights of the minority uh, afterwards, but they do not represent the people who were there because the people who were there just wanted to share their point. They wanted to talk. They wanted to to speak about their experience. They have nothing to do with them. I don't say all of them, but um, I think a, a part of the people who went to that march have nothing to do with those extremists who always like, Go in the front and try to destroy the movement, try to destroy the community and uh, what, what we see from the community. Because in that community, I'm pretty close from them. And I, I would say that I, am really sorry to see like everything that they build for being like destroyed and painted like that by those extremists who come and destroy what, what people are like, stand for.
0: Well, and a lot of them just can't even articulate a response that is intelligible. And so that's why they have to silence everybody who attends and leave the talking to a few key spokespeople, because otherwise they end up on social media making a complete mockery of the entire event. Um, And I think we have one more, another video of yours, Alexa, where it shows somebody actually responding and Maybe you can speak to whether or not that was intelligible, but I think we have a few minutes. We'll just show that uh, quick clip.
1: Which age do you think that children can be allowed to take puberty blockers?
2: I think puberty blockers, which doctors prescribe for any number of medical reasons, Mm -hmm. can be taken at any age. I mean, (laughs) when do you usually hit puberty? 13, 14, 15? You can fact check me, but they were actually invented for people with precocious, I believe it's called puberty. So it was for cis children originally. And... They are reversible. I don't know why people are perpetuating a lot of, of false narratives about the research around puberty blockers and stuff. Definitely citation needed, but I do a lot of research, so.
1: What do we say to these children who have malheureusement pris des, des décisions trop jeunes, who were not in the state état to do it? First
2: of all, it's important to have because there are many. I don't have the information I have. It exists, yes so i was yeah
1: so i
2: was
1: we'll just have. asking like the the last question was about um what we'd say to these young people who did the transition and now they realize they made a mistake and they were not capable at that age to make the decision, but now they want to do transition. And I, and I mentioned that they have a lot of the transitioning. I wanted to say there is an augmentation. I, I actually correct myself afterwards, but she was like, but you know, like um, it would be nice to see statistics since uh, I know it, it, there is transitioning, but it's pretty, pretty rare. So I don't think it, there it, there is a lot, but on so many like articles that I read, there is a rise on the transitioning because they have a big rise on transitioning, and uh, I think it's the um, transitioning represents about two two to ten percent for um, on so, some article that I I read a uh, uh, research article. So if we if we look at the ten percent, ten percent is pretty a lot. Uh, of the transitioning and if now it's 10% on the future what it would be probably more and more because we see like in the U.S. like what is going on with the deep transitioning we know that mm-hmm. we are pretty late in Canada on what is going on in the U.S. so I'm just really concerned on the future like what it will like happen with them
0: yeah, and it's really, I think, a slippery slope to, try to, to claim that some of these hormone blockers are uh, reversible because the, the science is actually showing. And I think that if a lot of these people ended up reading things like the product monograph and the package inserts that come with these drugs, they would find uh, otherwise. For instance, Lupron is one that is commonly used uh, to block hormones and it's a puberty blocker. And that's actually a class of drug that is used to chemically castrate sex offenders. And so mm-hmm. this suppresses their sexual desires, suppresses their testosterone. Um, and there's there's many instances um, where Lupron can cause lasting issues. It can cause... Uh, prostate cancers. And sorry, it was, it was, sorry, it was approved initially to treat prostate cancer. Um, But it it's, it's not by any means reversible. You can go off of it, but there may have already been the damage done. And that depends on the age you were, when you took it, uh, the dosage amount, how long you were on it. There's so many factors at play here that to just umbrella statement state that, this is somehow reversible is very dangerous for children um, who are being captured or, as one person put it to me last week, being recruited by the LGBTQIAS, whatever, plus, plus, minus crew um, without having a full scope of true informed consent and true knowledge of what it is that exactly that they're getting into, because these aren't um, as reversible as many of them claim to be. Um, we have we're about almost ten minutes over, so I'm just going to to read this one super chat, and then uh, we'll we'll try to wrap things up. Wrong way fifty four gives five dollars and says, Hold on. The still experimental jobs were only authorized under a global emergency. But the emergency is over, so the jabs should not be given out anymore. Um, That depends. So in Canada, we had an interim order, which was similar to emergency use authorization. I mean, it was essentially the same thing. But in Canada, it was called an interim order. And it was good for the first year of the pandemic. And so I think it was declared, I'd have to go back and double check, but I believe it was sometime September 2020, and it expired in and around September 2021. So what the uh, health minister at the time, Patty Haju, did is she actually made that interim order permanent. Um, so mm-hmm. now it's it's embedded into legislation um, for pr- drug approval or authorizations, and it uh, basically grants pharmaceutical companies uh, an ability to submit rolling applications so they can literally just submit their safety data on a rolling basis on a continual basis and so these injections are able to be authorized or approved under this interim order which has been pivoted to be permanent um not even like permanent regulation essentially and uh now under things like um oh what is it called there's, there's more. Health Canada is, is basically making these orders uh, permanent through um, agile licensing, and I've done some reports on this, and I've contrasted it with what's going on with the natural health products and the natural health community, and how. They're squashing innovation there, but they're also allowing for innovation in the pharmaceutical industry um, where they don't actually have to prove safety or efficacy before their products reach market. So it's like a whole, it's a very whole convoluted long thing. But yes, you're right that it was originally under emergency use legislation or in Canada, it was called the interim order. Um, But that has all now been shifted and pivoted to be a permanent thing. And so... That's how the injections are allowed to be continually rolled out, and things like these booster doses with their lackluster data can be authorized for use. It's uh <laughs> really sad. and it depends on your jurisdiction. That's what happened in Canada. in the United States, it's a little bit different, but um, I'm obviously as a Canadian most familiar with the way our legislation works. and so I hope that explained it in an easy to understand way. Um, and thank you for asking that question because it is convoluted and hard to uh, decipher what exactly happened there but that's what happened um so uh, alexa do you have any final thoughts on your video i guess we'll have like a full um subtitling for the what happened in french there and i look forward to seeing your more full interaction with the police the uh, montreal police are also are always uh Fun to to interact with. I always have a good time watching you on video. There,
1: it's so hard though. I'm I, I sometimes I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of English Canadians who are seeing <laughs> like the those French crazy French stuff happening, and they are like, "What's going on?" Like, I don't understand. But um, no worries, I'm here and I will subtitle it. But I think it's important that people can actually see what is going on in Quebec because. On most of often, they are actually testing or trying everything in Quebec first because there is a nice fire language, and I think it's important that people like you have like the perfect bridge for like for like seeing what is going on with the language barrier. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for your work on that file and for bringing the French language issues here to the Canadian, or sorry, the English sphere. (laughs) Um, And for everybody who joined us, watched our live stream, thank you for your support. For our donors and viewers, um, everyone behind the scenes who makes this live stream possible, our producers Uh, Olivia and Efron, thank you. Thanks, Alexa, for stepping in and joining me today in lieu of David Menzies, who's on a mission as our mission specialist. He always is out there uh, chasing stories. So he does great work um, out in the field and we don't want to take him away from that. Uh, Sorry, my battery is now dying, so I'm getting notifications. (laughs) Um, And we'll see you back here, same time and place, 1 p.m. Eastern, with a new set of Rebels tomorrow. So stay tuned and, and come back then. Thanks so much for everyone at home.